This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows you should only kill people with kindness. He is the mild-mannered captain. Or you could try a shovel. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, we are drinking Grinder Punch by the good men and women at the Sound Growler Brewing Company, in Tinley Park, Illinois. Garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. This West Coast Pale Ale is brewed with Pilsner and Munich malts. Add the Pacific Northwest hops and you have a beer that delivers a pungent aroma with a clean, crisp finish. Stings the nostrils. ABV, 5.6%. And Grinder Punch was brought to us by all of you fantastic folks and a special thanks to David in Bedford, Pennsylvania. And a big nice jib to Captain Tina in Ottawa, Canada. Here's a long distance cheers to Ellie Shiva from Jerusalem, Israel. And filling up the fridge, we have Sarah in Pocahontas, Arkansas. And a shout out all the way to Tara, who is in Newcastle, Australia. And last but not least, a cheers to Joel in Caroline Springs, Australia. If you'd like to donate to the beer fund, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate banner. And it's official, everybody. This is fantastic, wonderful, exciting stuff. Something mm-hmm. we've been working very hard on. The captain especially hard on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, okay. Um, All righty then. Awkward, awkward. But it, listen up. This is fantastic. I'm very mm-hmm. proud of this. We've been trying to figure out a way for a long time to bring all of our back catalog to you, to everyone, for free. Yeah, and so- starting in May... Mm-hmm. We're, that's going to be available to you on the Stitcher app. You can get every True Crime Garage episode from episode one all the way up to today. Yep. And it'll be free on the Stitcher app. Also, on Stitcher Premium, we have our new weekly show. It's kind of the behind-the-scenes show, update show. It's called Off the Record. So those will start in May as well. All right. Let's gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. 
just spoke with Tinley Park's police chief. He tells me this sketch was released on the eve of the anniversary on purpose because people tend to have the most interest in this cold case this time of year. The new 3D image is now hanging inside the police station and it's broadcast everywhere. It is an enhanced version of a previous sketch drawn from an eyewitness account in 2008. The new photo uses facial identification technology to make it more lifelike. Now, whoever that man is entered a Tinley Park Lane Bryant 10 years ago and announced a robbery. He ordered a group of women into a back room, tied them up with duct tape and shot five of them dead. One of the victims dialed 911. Police released a snippet of that call years ago. 911 emergency. Police say the suspect's voice can also be heard on the background of that call. Detectives have now isolated the voice, although his words are almost indistinguishable. Tinley Park's chief says one to two new tips come in on the case every week. They hope this sketch and voice recording will give them even more leads. Can you believe it's been 10 years? No, it, it's time goes by, but we've worked on it steadily for 10 years. Continue to work on it. There's five women that, that need us to clear this up. In the trailer there, Captain, we hear the news reporter asking the police chief, can you believe it's been 10 years? And that's exactly the case here. In 2008, five women were killed inside of the Lane Bryant store in what police would describe as a botched robbery or a robbery turned violent. Now, you hear the police chief there stating, no, we cannot believe that it's been 10 years. This is a case that they've worked very hard. They've spent millions of dollars trying to find the guy that shot these five women to death. Mm -hmm. We also still, 10 years later, they have a full-time officer working the case as well as another officer that works the case part-time. Over the years, I've, I've heard from this detective that there have been three times throughout the last 10 years where he believed that they were very close to solving the case, that they had a suspect three times. They had a suspect that they liked so much. They thought that they were going to be able to provide the families with some justice. Finally, after all these years, yeah, or at least bring charges to these suspects. And today we know that they currently do not have any suspects or anyone that they have named publicly as a suspect in this case. Now, I do, before we get into some things today, we got a lot to cover. We want to go through the 911 call. We want to go through some vehicles that were in the area at the time, some things that could lead us into some thoughts about our suspect here. But before we do so, Captain, I kind of wanted to highlight some pieces of the investigation uh, along the way. So in the very early parts of the investigation, remember we said that the police had one thing working in their advantage, and that was that a Tinley Park police officer was parked in a vehicle just that was adjacent to the parking lot of the Lane Bryant at the time of the 911 call. Yeah, about 200 yards away. Yes, yeah, so this officer was on the scene within just a couple of minutes. Yeah, and a couple of minutes after that, there's going to be multiple law enforcement that are going to be at the scene. 
Yeah, they're they're showing up and arriving to the area, multiple police departments. The the Chicago PD helicopter was was in the air shortly after the crime was discovered. So what's so weird here, Captain, is that we have this guy that he kills these women. He walks out of the store. We can see the huge police response that's going on in the area almost immediately afterwards. And yet somehow this guy is able to disappear as soon as he leaves the store. He's not highly noticeable. He's He gets away somehow. He's able to slip back into the fold or hide in the background. Well, and we, but we do have on video camera two cars that, that left. Yes. One being an SUV, one being a sedan. Now, police investigated. They did investigate whether the killer had any connections to one of the victims um, because, as we had stated in the last episode, most robbers probably wouldn't hit a clothing store early in the morning and probably wouldn't stay 40 minutes like this guy did. For the first 51 days of the investigation, nearly 50 investigators worked to find the Lane Bryant killer. Together, they logged over 30,000 hours on the case. The The cost of the investigation surpassed $400,000. This was just in the first 51 days. Another interesting thing here, Captain, when we talk about the pursuit of this man, the pursuit of the killer that fled, police even locked down stores in the area, including a Super Target, PetSmart, and Office Max, searching the area with guns drawn. This case has been, it's been interesting to research in the sense that I know a guy that lives in the greater Chicago area. He's not in law enforcement, but he's familiar with law enforcement. And so he and I, over the past couple of weeks, have been trading a lot of emails back and forth about this case. And one thing that he told me was that his this, his name, we'll call him Greg. I didn't get permission if I'm allowed to use his name. I'll just, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, one thing he told me was that his wife had been in a store that was just within a mile of the Lane Bryant store at the time of the killings. And she was at this uh, place called Dinner by Design. And she was there with several friends of hers. And the, during this time, the Tinley police stormed in, they, they had their hands on their holsters. Some of them had guns drawn and they locked the door behind them when they came in to search the business. Now, once the business was cleared, they told everybody what had happened and said that everybody needed to stay inside and they locked the doors as they left the, uh, the store and then went on to clear another store. So they were, they were heavily, heavily in pursuit of this man with cars, helicopters, and on foot. Well, not only the immediate response was huge by law enforcement, but they've continued to work this heavily and use every technology that they can. Yeah, and they've allowed this to take them down some different avenues in pursuit of this person. They even used the IRS to do some background searches for them. They used NASA they had NASA pull satellite images of vehicles that were in lots outside of the store within minutes of shots being fired. Mm. The Secret Service has helped with phone records. Foreign police agencies have run ballistics tests for this case. Illinois State Police have screened weapons that get turned in or brought back to see if they can match it to the handgun that was used by the killer. And I'm assuming that they probably ran the DNA as well. That's a, that's an interesting question. 
And I do you do you want to get into that now? Because I know you're kind of chomping sure. at the bit to get at that. Let let me I tell you what, let me wrap this up real quick so I don't forget something. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wanted to mention that in this year alone, to show you the activity involved in the community here is that just this year alone they have they have received 87 leads that were called in and over the course of the 10 years they have investigated and received more than 7000 leads total since Jesus. the murders so investigators have gone as far as london to check new fingerprint technology on the shell casings that were found that day and the village tinley park has spent nearly 2 million dollars on this investigation so The detectives have continued to filter through these leads up to this day. They're going to continue to do so. Mm -hmm. They've, they've categorized and logged all these leads and they've investigated them all. So a huge effort as you had, had stated now regarding the DNA, this is a big point of contention for me. And it doesn't seem to be a point of contention for anybody else. When you start looking into this case. And what I mean by that is, I'm not convinced that either a, that they have DNA or that they have good DNA. Right. And here's, here's my thoughts on this. And, and okay. So in doing research for this case, one, one place that it led me, and I think you, you fell into this as well was Reddit. There's a lot of discussion about this case on Reddit. Yeah. And it's, I love Reddit by the way. It's yeah, but it's as far as a resource, it's not always the best in investigative tool because there's no, a, no, no. there's a lot of conversation on there. There's a big conversation on there. That's, that's a unique one and a good idea. A very good idea is that the reason why this case might not be solved is that all these years, police have said that they're looking for a man Yeah, where, where in fact this might be a woman. Aha. Got him or her guy. <laughs> something. Um, that's my gut feeling that for whatever reason, before we even, you know, research this at all for what, for whatever reason, I was watching some report, uh, some old news report. And I just went, I don't think it's a man. Well, and then my first response to that is, well, they have DNA. Right. And my first thought then would be, well, if they have DNA and they've said for 10 years that they're looking for a man, they wouldn't want to screw up their investigation they need the public's help here. Right. They would not want to screw up their investigation and say that they're looking for a man when in fact it's a woman that they, they would never do that. So that has led people to believe that they've tested the DNA that they had and it's the, the evidence points to it being a man. Right. But maybe they don't have good the, enough DNA. That's where I question this whole thing. Yeah. Or what if you, you have eyewitness, right? right. Uh, we have a surviving witness. And for the record, she's always said it's a man. Right. She believes it to be a man. Which I think we're calling her Martha. Yes. So Martha says, I believe that this guy, it was a man. Then they get the DNA back from under the fingernails, possibly, Mm because we have fingernail clippings. And we get touch DNA back, possibly. Right? And then they test it, and they go, oh, well, there's some female DNA here. This must be the victim's DNA. And that is... A Maybe. contaminant. Right. Well, because if, if it were separate, they could decipher that it's separate and they could figure out that it came from the victim. You know, they would te- they would test the victim as well. Yeah, but not always. I mean, we've seen cases where they've tested people and then 
accusations that, you know, somebody's kid is not their kid that it was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So no, I see what you're saying. So labs can get this wrong. So, but I just wonder if that threw them off and they were like, well, this DNA evidence is no good because we don't have uh, any sign of male DNA evidence in this test is what I'm saying. I, I think you lost me because I, I think the the counter argument has always been it has to be a man because they have DNA evidence. I, but I don't think that's why they think it's a man. I think they think it's a man because of eyewitness. And I have not seen anywhere that they said we tested DNA evidence and it's a man. Thank you. Thank right. you. Now, now here. Sorry, I'm a little frustrated. All right. But before we get too far into this, Captain, my my gut feeling is that it's that it's a man. But I'm you're my boy. I'm going to take your back here. You're my boy, Blue. Well, and the reason why I will not discredit the, the possibility of it being a woman is this. Anytime that I've seen a debate on if it's a man or a woman, the 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 person always tries to end the debate supporting the fact that it's a man by stating they have DNA, they would know if it's a man or a woman, they've always said it's a man, so it has to be a man. Like you just said, though, researching this case for two weeks, I couldn't find anywhere. I couldn't find, uh, I couldn't find it printed in any newspaper. I couldn't find it where what? the video footage of, of a officer, a detective, a police chief at any time outrightly stating we have DNA of this suspect. Mm-hmm. They, they always hint that they might have DNA. They always throw out statements that would suggest that they have DNA that doesn't mean that they have DNA on this guy or right. girl. This what this means is they could be trying to put this person off kilter. They could probably be trying to put this person off ease. We have DNA that you left at the crime scene mm-hmm. because we have fingernail clippings or we found blood underneath one of the victim's fingernails. There were things that were left at the crime scene. This just implies that they have DNA. They never outwardly state that they 100% do. And not only did you, were you unable to find that? I was unable to find that. And I emailed my friend, quote unquote, Greg in Chicago, Mm -hmm. who was well aware of this case. And he said the same thing. At no point have I ever come across where the police are outwardly saying that they, in fact, have DNA. And to further that, that they've tested it to confirm that it's a man. So I think if that's going to be your argument, your counterpunch there, it doesn't work for me because when you throw that out there and you state that that is, that is a fact, please post that link underneath your argument. So we can verify that check the box and make sure that it's no longer a concern. So this is where we give the homework portion uh, from time to time on the show. Captain, if anybody if anybody finds can find a link where there is a officer directly involved in this investigation that is being quoted in a newspaper or being interviewed and and we can see the words coming out of their mouth that they have DNA, please post a link to that on our blog at truecrimegarage.com. Right. And so the other problem too is that they said that this in the suspect was possibly five nine to six foot tall. So you're talking about uh, a gap of maybe three inches. Mm-hmm. Um, but now if you go three inches lower, now you're talking about a gap of five or a height of five, six to five, nine, which would be more stereotypical female height. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. And then the big thing for me is the nine one one call. Now what 
police have stated or multiple media sources have stated as they believe that you can hear the suspect's voice on the 911 call. Yes. So do you want to get to that? Yes. Let's go ahead and play the 911 clip that we played yesterday. 911 emergency. Where at? Stay on the line. Stay on the line. Let me get you to Tinley Park. Don't hang up. Captain, real quick here. I want to throw this out to the listeners. There's a toll-free number out there where you can call and you can hear a longer version of this 911 call and they actually Mm -hmm. replay the portion that they believe to be the suspect, which is heard in the background. And on our clip that we just played, you can hear the suspect or what we believe to be the suspect a little bit in the background as well. Now we didn't include this version on the show because frankly, the audio that the captain just provided that 911 clip that is shorter, the audio from that is much better than a lot of the stuff out there, even Mm. that what you will hear on this toll free number But the number for anybody out there that's interested, and this is also where you can provide tips too, and that's the key thing with this number here. The number is 866-853-6222, and that's a number that has been put up and paid for by the Tinley Park Police Department. Again, that number is 866-853-6222. You can call that and hear a longer version of the clip and you could leave a tip there as well with your information. Now let's talk about that 911 clip a little bit here, Captain, because there is a portion that, that they do not play in that clip that we played. And it's where you can hear what is believed to be the suspect talking before Rhoda hangs up the phone with 911. Mm-hmm. Now what I did because I had I had a lot of trouble trying to decipher to decipher what this suspect is saying. And so what I did was I got online and I did a bunch of hunting around and I thought, you know what, let's find, let's find the general consensus of others out there of what they believe that they are hearing. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, this is very choppy. A lot of it's not full sentences, but some of the things that are believed to be being said by the suspect in the background is as follows that after the, after Rhoda is told not to hang up the phone, you hear the suspect going on about something and it's believed that he or she, I guess I should say mm-hmm. is possibly saying the following relax, get over here. You're such a hero, right? Now that you're such a hero, right? Is, is a, um, one portion of the tape that is highly talked about, but the seem the general consensus seems to be that the word hero is somewhere in there because I've seen other versions that are very close to that. That says something like, don't be a hero, huh? Or you don't want to be a hero. Right. Um, so something about a hero, it's also believed to be heard that he says, you're going to die. You're lucky. And I'm losing it. Now during the course, this is one thing that we are not hearing and Tinley park police have been upfront about this. During the course of that suspect kind of rambling on, and it actually sounds like he is kind of directing the hostages or yelling directly at one of them Mm -hmm. in the background, there are responses from the victims that are in the room with him that the police have edited out before it was released to the public. Right. So there's more information 
on the original tape that they're not going to release. And I think probably for good reason. Um, but the one thing that I seem to be able to make out pretty clearly is that one line of I'm losing it. Now, I don't know that I hear exactly that, maybe a different, slightly different version of that sentence, but the word losing seems to be pretty clear at some point in this audio. At the beginning, I hear almost like a, yo, I'm tired of yelling. Yeah. So let's just play the clip one more time. 911 emergency. Where at? Stay on the line. Stay on the line. Let me get you to Tinley Park. Don't hang up. Well, let me just loop the one part where it's you can clearly tell it's somebody else, like the third person, if you will, on the call, the suspect. Where at? Stay on the line. Stay on the- one more time. Right, so if I have to mimic that, right, it's like, yo, I'm not dying, no, 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 right. Well, what I hear is, and this is not this is not a portion of the tape that we've analyzed. I don't know that others have tried to figure out what the suspect is saying there because the the whispering coming from the victim and the dispatcher is so prominent here. Right. I don't know that this has been, but it's not important. That's what I'm saying. What's not important? What I'm saying is not that important on what the person in the background saying. If this is the suspect, what I'm doing is just, yo, no, 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 right? That's a, that's a, my point on making it more of a it's a it's a woman's voice. It's a woman's range. I mean, you you'd think if it was a man, it'd be like, yo, I'm tired of yelling. That's way down here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking you have to go up pretty high and the male register to to hit what notes they're that they're saying i mean even when you speak you're speaking in notes does mm-hmm. that make sense so that's what i'm saying to me it's like it doesn't even matter what they're saying it's like to i audibly hear if that is the suspect in the background and not a victim because we do have uh well we have one victim on the phone so we have four other victims that would be in the room if they believe they're that they're not talking and that is the suspect to me, that's a female voice. Right. And, and, but at the same time though, I kind of point out what I think I hear the person to be saying, because I think that tells you if it is the suspect or if it is one of the other victims, because to me, it almost sounds like the person is saying, I'm tired of yelling, looking for blah, blah, blah. Almost like the person is is announcing to the people that they've taken hostage that I'm tired of asking you all these questions. Why isn't buddy, anybody telling me the answers I want to know? Right. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. And then I'm going to leave. I'm getting tired of you not helping me out. I came here looking for money and I've not found very much money. Now, I understand. I, I get your point because when you isolate that spot on the tape and you play it back the couple of times that you did, is the pitch higher than I anticipated hearing, knowing that I believe the suspect to be a man? The answer is yes. That pitch is higher than I anticipated to hear. However, I just, you know, our, our voices do funny things. Um, everything does funny. I'm just stating that this is a heightened, do some funny things. You this know? is a heightened situation. This is not a, a calm situation on either part, the victims or the suspect. And I know that sometimes when people are yelling, some people project a higher pitch at times, 
uh, thrown into a stressful situation. Somebody's pitch could go up or down uh, depending on their emotion at the time as well. If this individual is angry or scared themselves, who knows what their voice could do. But I agree with you, Captain. A higher pitch than I would anticipate uh, regarding a male suspect of that size. 911 emergency. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, 
Thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers. And you know what, Captain? I know I'm a few days early, but... uh... We won't have an, another show out before then, so happy birthday to you, my friend. I'm officially old. It's the captain's birthday. Ahoy. <laughs> Ahoy. All right. Back to I the case. You've been drinking too much. Well, I thought you were going to give me like a nice cheers back and, and oh, instead of nothing not your happened. Birthday. It's not your birthday. You don't Nothing get no happened, cheers. but uh, you know, usually somebody goes cheers, somebody else goes cheers, and then you move on. Um, okay. Surveillance footage. Now, one thing we've touched upon a little bit here, Captain, there were some surveillance footage, some video taken from the Target Superstore across the street. Now, it's estimated that these cameras, well, not estimated, it's reported that these cameras were roughly 100 yards away from the what we're about to talk about. And this being two vehicles that were spotted in the lane, in front of the Lane Bryant store that were leaving the parking lot around the same time as it's estimated that the suspect was leaving. Yeah, here's a couple problems with this. First of all, is the time correct on surveillance? Like in many cases that we've covered, there's been cameras, but the the times weren't correct. <clears throat> right. So that is one thing that we have to think about with this surveillance. Well, I, I think we can... the. 
I've seen the timestamps on the surveillance footage, and it is a little off of this mark a bit. But the report that I found that I find to be the most credible states that they believe that these vehicles were seen exiting or leaving those spots sometime between 1046 and 1049 a.m. So they'd be off. The, the time would be off on the on the actual tape. Correct. Just slightly. Um, By a few minutes. And I think think the timestamp on the surveillance footage, if I remember correctly, is slightly ahead of that. It's running a little faster than that. But the way that they can kind of determine how accurate the time is, is we have within, you know, within maybe minutes or seconds even, Mm -hmm. we have a general idea of what time the police officer is going to state that he arrived on the scene. So once once they can confirm using the other surveillance footage what time these vehicles were seen leaving, they can compare that in comparison to when the officer arrived to see how close they can get to that time. Now, what are we seeing in the video? Well, first off, anybody out there that has seen this video will 100% back me up on this. This is some grainy footage right. that was taken from approximately 100 yards away. And you... Police have even commented on this to the point of stating that, you know, while this is helpful to the investigation, what it does not allow them to do because of the distance is read license plate numbers or to possibly identify people that might be sitting inside these vehicles. But what it does show is a small black SUV and a black sedan. Now, both of these vehicles are at the at the Lane Bryant and then leaving around the time of the shooting. So the thought here is when police are asking the community for help, you know, the first thing that they're going to ask is that the driver of, of these vehicles come forward. Right. You know, if you were, if you were at Lane Bryant around this time and this is your car, come forward. We just want to talk to you, see if you saw anything, even if you think it's nothing, we want to know what you know. I find one thing a little interesting here though. If you listen to early reports, it states that police are looking for the driver of the small black SUV as well as the black sedan. Mm-hmm. Then if you fast forward like months later, they seem to still be looking for the driver of the small black SUV, but we don't we don't hear them outwardly asking for the driver of the black sedan to come forward. So I don't know if that means that that person has come forward, identified mm-hmm. themselves, told them what they know and it's nothing and they want their identity to remain anonymous. Um, It's generally believed that the driver of the SUV could be our suspect. Yeah. And I've seen on several sites, uh, we talked specifically about the Reddit site, where they did name um, several possible models, makes and models of that SUV. That's how bad the footage is. That being a a Honda or a Kia, Mm -hmm. possibly a Toyota. I, I've not been able to find where police have stated, we believe it was this make, this model, this year. Nowhere could I find that. So for purposes of staying on task, I think we, that we continue to report that it is a small black SUV that is in question. And again, it seems to be, be that out of these two vehicles, it's believed that the suspect might have been in that fleeing the scene in that small black SUV. Well, what's important about this is if you knew about this case, lived in the area, if there was somebody that you possibly suspected could have done this, then you kind of 
reverse engineer it? Did they have a, a black SUV, a small mm-hmm. black SUV that they would be able to use? Now, one thing I also want to point out there that we heard in an earlier clip today that we used for today's trailer, the start of the show, was that you heard the reporter stating that 10 years on the 10-year anniversary of this case uh, of the shooting at Lane Bryant and it being unsolved now for 10 years, that police released a 3D composite sketch of our suspect. And I like this, Captain, because to me... When I look at this 3D version, and if, if anybody of anybody out there is familiar with this case and hasn't done any internet sleuthing on it in a while, I beg you to get on your computers, on your tablet, and check some stuff out because that 3D image is, one, it's very haunting. You almost feel like you're staring directly at the face of the person that did this. That's how detailed it looks to me. We'll and put two, that on the website and Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, all that stuff. And two, the original composite sketch I felt was pretty general. Um, it didn't, I don't feel like it gave me a good sense of what I should be looking for, who I should be looking for as mm-hmm. where the, the de- detailed 3d account was much better for that. Well, I feel, I feel like we've covered a lot. Do you have any questions that you think we should go over? Well, that's a big part of the frustration regarding this case. Yes. Yeah. I do feel like we've covered a lot. I feel like we've answered some questions. However, I feel like there's a lot of questions out there. And again, I know we re- we say this a lot. We sound like a broken record. We understand that the inv- investigation has to hold some things back. I feel like there are a few items out there that could really help, especially after 10 years when you're really asking the public to come forward and help you out with this situation. Yeah, this sketch will help, but it would be nice if there was some other piece of information that they could give us. Well, and that, that's what I mean here. And I wonder if, you know, what are they holding on to is what they've released. Is that just the tip of the iceberg? I mean, they've released what they believe to be a 3d composite sketch of the suspect, right? They've released video footage of a possible suspect vehicle. We've also heard snippets of the 911 call where you can kind of hear the suspect in the background shouting or yelling or, or, or communicating with the hostages. Right. The, some things that I call into question here though, is we, we get a nice good description of what the suspect was wearing that day, even down to the point of the potential thought that there might've been, uh, some type of packaging tape or duct tape in the suspect's coat pocket Mm -hmm. possible that the suspect had manicured fingernails. But the weird thing here is, we, we also hear that the suspect may have left behind a baseball cap. Mm. If that's the case, can we just say for sure if that happened? And two, can we see what that thing looked like? Yeah, that, what team was it? Right. Or, or well, actually, I, I say baseball cap as a general term. Um, and I think it's been reported that way, but it could just be some kind of hat. Right. Uh, a baseball style hat. Right. Um, so maybe no team on it, but it could be a company, could be... Any, there's a lot of indicators on there that could help get you to the conclusion of the identity of this person. You know, people can recognize an article of clothing just as well as they can a grainy via, surveillance footage of a vehicle mm-hmm. or a, a possible composite sketch of the actual suspect. Was there, in fact, a hat that was left behind? If so, what does it look like? I would love, you know, I would love if they would release pictures of that. The other item, too. I, I wish that forget the DNA. 
I'm, I'm going to get over the DNA. We don't need to know if they have DNA or not. They can, they can handle that portion of it. But I think these things are a little more simpler than <laughs> I have. Glad you're going to let them handle that. I'm going to let, I'm going to let that All go. Right. But here's the other thing, the possibility that the suspect, remember we said that he was using the ruse of some type of delivery mm-hmm. and he had papers with him that were supposed to be a part of that delivery. Well, here's my guess. I'm guessing that, you know, these women that were at the store, these are not dumb ladies. There was something on those papers that that guy had. And what I mean by that is that he's not going to be able to walk in there with some blank pieces of paper or something that has nothing to do with anything at all and just be able to go, hey, I'm here to do this delivery. My name's Joe, you know, and, and, and Rhoda and these other ladies fall for it. She was doing preventative measures to call another store thinking that there was a potential mix-up in some kind of delivery. Now, yes, he could have likely found some pieces of paper somewhere that look like they're from a delivery. He could have grabbed Mm -hmm. an invoice from somewhere else. But what I'm getting at is there was enough information on those pieces of paper that he was carrying with him. And there's many reports that state that he left those at the scene, that the police recovered those. Right. At the very least, could we find out, one, do they still exist? And B, what was printed on those papers? Is there anything on those papers that would provide any type of information that could lead us to a potential suspect? Meaning, why all these years later haven't these papers been released to the public to help with this investigation? And it could be something as simple as these were papers that this person took from where they worked. Mm -hmm. They took them out of somebody's car. Just like the baseball hat, there's there's a million ways that somebody can see something. Somebody can see the right information and piece it together, and you get that phone call. You get that tip that you need. You're you're wearing me out, man. I'm wearing you out. Uh, you just <laughs> you're so uh, uh, passionate. Well, the thing the, here's the thing. We've seen plenty of cases where we're sitting there 15, 20, 25 years later, and they're like, oh yeah, okay. We have this piece of information. We have this piece of evidence. We've been holding on to it since day one. Let us show you the general public this now and ask for your help about it now. Right. And at some point it gets to be too late. Right. It just get, I don't want to be sitting here 20 years from now and they're like, here's, here's the papers. Here's the ball cap. Tell us what you think. Yeah. So what do you think on this case? As far as a suspect goes, let, let me go, go through this one at a time here. I only got two things to go through. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So one before the other. But the first one is the case the case is very strange to me in the sense that it seems like a strange target unless this person was just looking for a few hundred dollars, but to me that that would be like a smash and grab. That would be like get in there, create as little chaos as possible, yeah. get your 200 300 dollars and then get the hell out of there. That's not what happened in this situation. For some reason, this person decided that they needed to take these individuals to the back room. What is what is reported as a an employee break room in the back, mm-hmm. which seems like a strange place to me. I thought I thought that with the ruse of the delivery that you're trying to work one of two angles. Either a you're trying to get into the store before it opens up, where either you think that there's more money involved in the robbery or where you won't have to encounter any customers. 
So if you're not if you're not using it to do that, and mm-hmm. he was aware that the store was open, then the only other reason for using the ruse of of a delivery is to maybe work your way into the back parts of the store, into the office of the store, without causing a commotion out in the storefront, you know, on the floor, as they say. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he was using these papers for. But it seems like a strange target to me. It seems like a strange way to carry out a crime. The other thing, too, is if you worked your way back to the office using those papers, it sounds to me the additional customers came in later while this robbery was in progress. So he took time out from what he was doing to go and capture these two individuals, take them to the same location and bind them as well. It sounds to me like we have a situation. I don't, I don't know why he was in that store for as long as he was the, the, the sexual, why he would rob a store like that anyways. Well, and the sexual component to this is very weird as well. Now I know it's not terribly uncommon for, for an offender to fondle one of the hostages or say, weird sexual things to one of the hostages. I know it's not terribly uncommon, but it seems odd to me that this individual picked a Lane Bryant store where you might expect to find nothing but females there. Right. And then that sexual aspect occurred. If, if money was the thing, why aren't you just getting your money and getting the hell out of there? Yeah, it could be sexually motivated. And then the nine one call nine one one call was placed that spooked them. They had to get out of there. Or this person's incredibly unstable because it, it it's, ah, that's what I think. It's, it's either there's a sexual component to it or <laughs> this person got in there, didn't really know what they were doing, started losing control fast or got angry because whatever or however much money they thought they would get, they didn't get. Mm-hmm. And they got angry at the hostages. And then, like you said, now they're already angered. And then they find out about the 911 call. They panic or they're angered more, and they're going to take out that anger on all of those women there. Now, my theories on who this person is, they're not super detailed, um, but my gut tells me that this person is not local to Tinley Park in any way. The The 2010 de- demographics of the area, it would have been 88.8% Caucasian, 3.7% African American and 3.9% Asian. So just playing the numbers there would tell me that this individual might not be local to the area. Plus I also do not think that it's any coincidence that the interstate 80 is right there, right there by the scene, right by the store. Mm-hmm. He could have walked into any store that he wanted. He chose that store for a specific reason. I also believe that this was not the first time this was, this may be the only time this man was ever in this Lane Bryant store, meaning he didn't case the joint in advance for this robbery. And I have two points to this thought. One, the guy walks in and it's thought that he was looking at the ceiling, looking for cameras. And two, the surviving witness who worked at the store, you know, this, the majority of the time, the super majority of the time, the clientele is strictly female at this store, not male. And so it's possible that if this man had been in the store before that he might have stood out in some form that may have been memorable to her. Right. And she doesn't, there's, we don't have any evidence that she has seen 
this person before the day. So that that's my only thoughts on it, that the guy probably wasn't local, and I do believe that was his first and only time in that store. All right. Is that your thought? Done? That's as much as I have. Okay. Well, you keep saying he, and I'm going to keep saying she. I believe that this is a female. I believe that the surviving witness did not get a good enough look at this individual. Um, I think maybe she heard this individual and it was maybe of a more of a male tone to begin with. And so that's, she's assuming she saw a man. That's just what my gut is telling me. That's also what my ears are telling me when I listen back. And if that is the suspect on that 911 call to me, that sounds like a female. Why? I think it's more of a, you know, super bikes type thing where this individual, she went into this lane, Bryant at some point she, you know, had bad service, something. I don't think the motivation was to rob the store. Mm-hmm. I think the motivation was some type of revenge. And that's why let's gather up all these people and let's put them in the back and let's duct tape them. I, I don't know how long the person thought they were going to be in there for, but I think once that 911 call went out and she saw it, she killed all the people and then she left. And I think she left in the small black SUV. And most men, I would, you know, maybe this is sexist on some level, but it's like most men will drive bigger SUVs. Women will drive smaller SUVs. So that's, and the manicured fingernails that would make that make sense. And there's just little things that are really hard to explain in this case, but they start making a little more sense. Like the cornrows with the braid in front starts making a little more sense when you go, well, that's, that's more of the way a female would do their hair. Mm-hmm. So I, that's just what my gut is telling me, and that's what my ears are telling me. And I think it was something like where the person felt wronged, and they were going to prove a point, you know, or they're going to kill people. I mean this this person is psycho. Well, and that's that's what I mean, and and I'm you know I'm sticking with my thoughts, but that's what I mean, and I, I like that you bring up the superbike case that we've covered here because that was really when once that thing was solved, you're like. Holy shit, this whole time, the motivation would make no, for this murders and this crime would make zero sense to anybody but the person that perpetrated the crime. Right. And the biggest problem I have with this Lane Bryant case is why, if they were there to rob, why did they stay in the store for so long? 40 minutes is a long time when you're trying to rob the store, especially that's why the, the phone call from the manager to another store would be important to me because if 25 minutes of that was this quote unquote delivery person just standing around waiting for information, right? then, then 40 minutes doesn't seem so long. But if that phone call happened within minutes of that individual walking into the store, this person stayed in the store for an incredibly amount of th- long amount of time. Right. And furthermore, here's what you wonder to on your, on your part, if this was a revenge killing, or if this was for reasons we will never understand, then how long did this individual intend on staying in the store? Was it only the 911 call that stopped them from staying? 
Who's to say this person wouldn't have stayed in there as long as possible and kept picking off the, right, the individuals customers. as they come in? Each customer comes in, they are quickly escorted to the back room. They're bound and they become another hostage. Mm-hmm. So I, I like where your thinking is. The other thing too with the surviving witness, it may have in, in a hyper panic situation like this, it may have simply been enough that if a female offender was wearing male clothing, right, that might have thrown her off. And she might fully believe that she saw a male when in fact it was a female. All right. So I guess I'm right. You're not right, but it's my birthday. So I'm right. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just not changing my opinion, <laughs> but, but you're just not going to say I'm right. Here we go, captain. So mm-hmm. speaking of females, this week's recommended reading, we are recommending hell's princess, the mystery mm. of bell Gunnis, the butcher of men by Harold Schechter. And I've mentioned his name before on this fabulous show that we do. I've also recommended <laughs> his books before. Harold Schechter is one hell of an author and one of the best researchers out there. So I recommend that you pick up Hell's Princess. This is the definitive rendering of one of the most brutal of all female serial killers. This book had me on the edge of my seat into the last page. So check out Harold Schechter's new book, Hell's Princess. And if you're ever looking for good true crime books to read make sure you go to our website truecrimegarage.com because we do have the recommended page and there's a a list yes and for everything true crime check out truecrimegarage.com and for all of our garage friends out there that Mm -hmm. are on social media you can follow us at true crime garage if you are following Mm -hmm. make sure you wish the captain a very happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday to you, Colonel. Until next time, friends, be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.